Thank you for tuning in to the Caleb Hires podcast. You're about to hear a clip from session one of your recent worship workshop. To gain access to the entire workshop, head to calebhires.com or check out our new church at therestingplacetampa.com. Enjoy this clip. Let's talk about position. The new, you all know this, but the new covenant calls us a royal what? A royal priesthood in 1 Peter 2.9. So you know what? Let's break that down. You're a king and a priest. You're a king and a priest. You're actually in the order of Melchizedek. Who's heard of Melchizedek? Yeah, yeah raise your hand if you haven't heard of just so I know. Okay, good. So I don't need to go into all of that to, to lay this out for you. But you need to understand that you're a king who's allowed in the presence. You're a king priest. That's what royal priesthood means. You're actually, I love, I'm, another book I'm writing, um, it's called I Am the Ark, and it's going to be all about the prophetic imagery of the Ark of the Old Covenant. Did you know that it's laid with gold inside and out? Did you know that only the priest could carry it? You know these things, but think about it. It carries the presence and it has gold inside and out. Gold is a picture of kingship always. Only kings have gold. So golden in and out, kingship, carrying the presence. The Ark of the Covenant is a picture of the royal priesthood. Even the, the holes that carry the acacia poles. Acacia, I'm just going to throw some cool stuff at you. Is that okay? Acacia, because I'm a dweeb when it comes to this stuff. I love the, I love the Bible. I'm, I grew up Southern Baptist, and I'm so grateful for my roots because they taught me to cherish the Word. You know what I mean? I just love it. And so, and then I got um, fire baptized in 2014. Todd White laid hands on me. It flew through the room, and, you know, craziness <laughs> happened. Anyway, fire. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, I found out um, who Rodney Howard Brown was looking for all these years, you know. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Phil. 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 Yeah. I found, yeah, okay. There you go. <laughs> I found I Ah, oh, I know Phil. I know him. <laughs> yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> I didn't know what that guy was, but I know that guy now. <laughs> Anyway, the the holes in the that would hold there were four spots that the you know the poles would run through the two two on each side. The they were called the feet. They're called the payam. And you know what payam means? It means to be struck with a hammer and nail. And the word acacia, the root of that literally means the pierced, stripped wood. Wood is always the picture for man. So the pierced, stripped man went through the place, the four places. Yeah. struck with a hammer and nail. Oh, wow. And that is what carries the presence. Whoa. Whoa. Woo, boy. Yeah, I was telling you, I'm like, I started writing that book two years ago. I'm still like, I like type, and I'm like, ah, I'm like typing. It's, it's a slow process. It's okay. <laughs> I like getting, I feel it's helping me, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Phil, sometimes Phil doesn't seem to be helpful, but it's helping, you know? It's like when you can't see the computer screen, but you're trying to write this great thing you're hearing, and yeah, it doesn't feel helpful, but it is. All right, so you're a king and a priest. you got to understand that in the Old Covenant, kings and priests were drastically different things. A lot of this might be review for a lot of you, but I think that it's important to understand it in the context of being a worshiper, of being a lead worshiper. So maybe just today is just a new way to see these things, okay? Because what we do as worship leaders, lead worshipers, is actually priestly. You know, it's a priestly thing to to steward the presence of God. It's a priestly thing to to bring people into the presence of God. 
all right and a lot of times let me just throw this out here right now a lot of times I think we enter into our new covenant position with old covenant paradigms <laughs> I think we try to enter into the presence of God through old covenant systems and and ways of being that are totally unnecessary and actually harmful because they restrict the presence they restrict it the presence of God was located in one place in the old covenant it was restricted to the box the ark of the covenant and then the temple right it was restricted it was only over there so when we enter in through the old covenant paradigm we actually posture in a restrictive way of the presence restricting the presence and I don't know about you but I don't want the presence restricted in my church I don't want I want it just all everywhere I want it manifesting everywhere and this is the challenge because he's omnipresent God is omnipresent however the manifest presence and the omnipresence of God are very different things in fact it says that all things were created in him and through him and by him and for him in Colossians 1 that means and it also says in him all things hold together in him all things hold together so Jesus is everywhere but the manifest presence of Christ is a drastically different thing where it actually breaks in through the barrier breaks in through that realm to this realm and we're the brokers of heaven who broker the presence from the unseen into the seen amen are you okay Am I swirling your brain too quickly? Okay, good. You guys seem like you can handle this stuff. So the important thing to understand is, let's look at the, uh, the, the Old Covenant priests and the Old Covenant kings, all right? And how they came in to being that. So old the, who knows where the first mention of the Levitical priesthood was? Who knows the, the, the situation? Anybody? Little, this is an intensive. This is a workshop, so I'm going to make you work for it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, what? Oh, no. I need more coffee. Um, <laughs> no. The, the, anyone know? Through Aaron. Through Aaron, yep. But who knows the ordination ceremony? There was an ordination ceremony. It was not pretty. It was not fun. It was a hint, hint. There was a lot of death. <laughs> All right. It was Exodus 32. Write this down. The old covenant priests became priests by blood. Say priests by blood. There was the spilling of blood, which was the ordination ceremony of the priest. I'll prove it to you. Exodus 32. Okay, yeah. So verse 25 says, When Moses had saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, Moses stood at the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered him. Thanks for helping me find that there. He literally... They were having orgies and doing so many debaucherous things in the camp. All of Israel was doing this awful, unholy stuff. Okay, And Moses says, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp. And each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. Say 3,000. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord. Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. There's the ordination ceremony. Are you sure you want to operate under old covenant paradigms? Like, it's just starting to sound unattractive to bring that into this one. Yeah, come on. They killed their brother, their son, their sister, everybody. 3,000 people died. Crazy. That's rough. That's a tough situation. 
Here's what I wrote about that. This is from the book. But the, ordinary, the ordination ceremony of the priests of, the, of God in the Old Covenant was by the spilling of evil blood, the spilling of wicked blood, right? Because they were doing wicked things. These priests were the only ones allowed to enter the presence of God with a sacrifice. That's what came out of this, the Aaronic, the Levitical priesthood, right? And they were the only ones allowed to worship God in His actual presence. The people gave their offerings and the priests committed these things and worship to God. Because of their zeal and burning desire to see the Lord honored that day, they were set in this high position. So out of zeal and passion, like for the Lord, like, yeah, this is wrong. The Lord is holy. We're going to, you know, and they, like, what kind of zeal is that that you kill your brother and your son? And Wow, you know. So the kings and the judges that led Israel were not permitted to go into the Holy of Holies. They were shut out with the people and and relied on the priests to minister to the Lord on their behalf. Blood was spilt and the reward was exclusive. Say exclusive. exclusive. In the Old Covenant, the presence was exclusive to those who earned it through the spilling of blood. And then their generations after, right? This band of blood-bought brothers were the only group who got to experience what we experience today in the New Covenant. You need to think about this. We get the privilege of the presence of God no matter where we are and what we have done. Right? Right? When we worship, He shows Himself to us in some way. It may be small and seemingly insignificant, but we need to understand that our slightest awareness of God's presence is more than any king other than David or average member of Israel ever experienced under the Old Covenant. Even the slightest little, oh, there you are, is more than any member of Israel that wasn't a priest ever experienced. Think about this. Think about this. Uh, even the kings, you know? Only the priests were remotely familiar with what we have unlimited access to today. So, and even then, it was the high priest once a year that entered the Holy of Holies. And you became the walking Holy of Holies. <laughs> Very different situation, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say? So, why then do we sometimes, uh, let me just, I, I'm a pretty um, obnoxiously challenging guy, challenging guy. So if you don't agree with what I have to say, that's okay. I don't believe honor is agreement. I believe that at disagreement is actually the atmosphere where honor is most useful. Did you hear that? I really believe disagreement is the atmosphere where honor is most useful. You don't need to honor somebody you agree with all the time. Like that's not honor. That's just, you're like me. Honor comes when you don't agree. Right. That's when it's most useful and potent, right? So if we don't agree on something today, that's totally chill. I'm good with that. Are you okay with that? I'm the only person I agree with 100% of the time. <laughs> I say that all over the place. I don't know why people laugh. It's just logic to me. I'm the only one I agree with 100% of the time. And then tomorrow I might disagree with me today. I mean, so my hope is not to agree with everybody in this room or to convince you to think like me. That would be a really silly thing. Really silly. But... Let me ask you a question. Do we not, when we start, when we get on our worship team, say Sunday morning, Saturday night, whatever we're doing, and we get in there, we start like confessing our sins. We start repenting in our minds. We start like, oh, I got to lead worship tonight. I got, I need to make sure I'm clean. Hello? Is that not the same as saying, hey, I need to make sure my, my priestly garments are white? I need to make sure that... Do you know this, this ceremony that they went through? The priest, you need to go home and do some homework. All the rituals they went through to just enter the presence and not die. Right? Yeah. right? And we do the same 
things subconsciously sometimes as lead worshipers. We want to make sure our, our worship leaders, we want to make sure that we're, we got everything together, we've got everything confessed, we got every, we've forgiven everybody. And it's right. If you're at the altar and you, need, you have unforgiveness with your brother, it's in your mind. You need to leave and go do that first. I'm not saying we don't forgive people. I'm not saying we don't repent. I love repentance. I change my mind every day. You can do it right now. You just go... Boom, repented, all right? And so I love the fruit of keeping with repentance. I love living holy. I love living clean. Well, here's what I'm saying. You have to be clean. You have to be holy to carry the holy of holies. So those rituals and things we put ourselves through are very old covenant paradigms. You need to be living a lifestyle of cleanliness and holiness, but you shouldn't go through a program of holiness in order to release the presence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying is the difference. We should watch that we haven't taken on Old Covenant paradigms and situations and systems in order to enter a New Covenant worship set. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because that covenant, first of all, priests are by blood, the spilling of blood. I don't want to do that. I don't know about you. I'd rather be a worship leader in the New Covenant than the Old Covenant, right? Come on, somebody. You know? And worship back then was literally, they were like killing goats and stuff and stuff spraying the blood on the altar and throwing it blood on everybody. It was a bloodbath. It was a bloodbath. That was a worship service. I'm game. I'm, I'm good to be over here. I'm glad. I'm glad for which side of the cross I live on. Hallelujah. Come on. I have a gratitude for that. Right? So again, Old Covenant priests became priests by blood, exclusive group, group, only once a year, high priest, holy of holies. Are you picking it up? Yeah. Exclusivity, Reward through sacrifice of the wicked. All right? I'm going somewhere with this. And the Old Covenant, the kings, because we're a king priest, right? We're looking at both. The kings were kings by oil. They became priests by blood, but they became kings by oil. Yeah, and you don't need me to go through all this, but Saul was anointed by Samuel, you know, for Samuel 10, all that. And Saul was actually looking for donkeys, and he came back a king. Yeah. Did you notice? <laughs> looking for donkeys can lead you to your destiny? Maybe you should stop complaining about all the donkeys in your life. <laughs> they might just be leading you to your destiny. You know, you're just like, all right, some of you got that. It's okay. <laughs> I wrote this in the book. Don't despise the simple task you have before you today. Looking for donkeys can lead you to your destiny. Maybe you feel like you should be leading a song this Sunday. Or maybe you should be playing lead instead of rhythm guitar. Be encouraged. If Saul can search for donkeys and come home a king, you can be faithful in the litter later. The little, sorry. You can be faithful in the little and later be trusted with much. Yeah. You can be faithful with little and later be trusted with much. Maybe on the way to the little. That's right. So instead of being like, ah, oh, I didn't, I'm not leading any songs this week. I'm only singing harmony. <laughs> Who knows, man? It might be on the way to church that day that you get a phone call. And you should be found going, thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. Instead of, I wish I was saying late. And then they call and you're like, oh, you want to sing lead? Yeah, that's great. I was feeling that on my heart, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah, a.k.a. whining about that to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the point I'm trying to make, and I don't have time to like belabor all of this, but you need to understand that the kings of the Old Covenant were under the law of Moses and were not given a place in the presence of God. All right? David broke all these rules, by the way. A man after God's own heart, the tabernacle of David, totally illegal. Yeah. Totally illegal. It says in the last days that, that God will rebuild the tabernacle of David, right? You've heard that? Yeah? 
You've heard that? Okay. So, do you, uh, this is just, uh, well, no, it's not my opinion. This is my theological position on that. You are the tabernacle of David. You are the open tent that doesn't have an exclusive right to the presence, but has a releasing right of the presence. Because the tabernacle of David was open 24-7. Hello? It was all the time open to everybody. The spirit without measure Everyone can come in and have a party here, guys. Totally illegal. God liked it so much, the illegal thing. <laughs> they said, I'm going to do it again. And I think you and I are the Tabernacle of David. The non-stop, 24-7, worshiping company of presence releasers, not presence containers. That's good. That's who you are. Yeah. You need to understand your position. Yeah. You need to understand your position. Okay. So in the New Covenant, King Priest, you need to write this. We are. It's totally opposite. It's upside down. We are kings by blood and priests by oil. Yeah. <laughs> we In the Old Covenant, they're priests by blood and kings by oil, right? Yeah. But in the New Covenant, we are kings by blood and priests by oil. The process for us becoming a king-priest is totally backwards. I wrote this, Just as blood was spilt to establish the first priesthood and oil was used to anoint the kings of the Old Covenant, the blood of Jesus and the oil of the Holy Ghost gave you the right to be a royal priesthood. Yes. But it's backwards. In order to worship God in spirit and in truth, we must understand the significance of the blood and the oil. The blood of Jesus is the very definition of royal blood. Come on, how much more royal can you get? There is no one more deserving of the title of royalty than Jesus. When a paternity test is taken to find out the background of a child, you test the blood. The blood reveals the identity of the father. So we were born again into a new bloodline that made you a king. That made you a king, queen, whichever you want to say. Made you a royal, right? And then we were anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. That made you a priest. Yeah. Do you see the backwardsness of this thing? Yeah. It's totally opposite. Totally opposite. And I think there's some mysteries in there that we need to... I'm just... I really want to make you hungry for this stuff. I'm not actually going to teach you everything today. I want to set you on a path of discovery so that you get your own convictions about these things. I have convictions about them, but you can't have mine. You've got to get your own. So my job today is to make you hungry, to look into these stories, to look into the types and shadows of the Old Covenant and see Jesus and find the significance for yourself. All right? So we're priests by oil and kings by blood. We're in an entire upside-down covenant. So we should not ex expect to enter the presence of God the same way. First of all, kings weren't even allowed. <laughs> it was illegal. So if you're a royal priesthood, something's changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> And the priest only once a year is exclusive, and you had to kill. You had to, your either you or your grandpappy's grandpappy's grandpappy had to kill somebody to get there. You know what I'm saying? But a son was slain for the oil of the spirit to be poured out. Do you know that yes. Gethsemane actually means oil or olive press? Yeah. The Garden of the Olive okay. Press. Yeah. And he was. What happened there? He sweat tears of blood. Yeah. Come on, I've been in that garden four times. I've cried every time, but I've never sweated tears of blood. I mean, the, he w it was pressed out as a prophetic utterance of the Holy Spirit being squeezed out on all flesh. Yeah, there's a big, long medical term that this guy knows about that. <laughs> and I can't repeat. So, we became one with the high priest. Yeah, it is. And honestly, I'll just throw this out there. Ooh, I'm going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> Lord. Okay, I don't have a check in my spirit, so I'm going to say it anyway. I'm just going to suggest something to you, okay? This is a suggestion. When he said, pass this cup for me, he was talking about premature death in the garden. Because it is a fail. 
I know where I need to go. I do not believe Jesus was wimping out in the garden. I think he was saying, uh, I know exactly how I'm supposed to die and this is not it. But I'm about to. But you'll be done. Like, your will be done. Meaning, I know I'm supposed to die on a cross. I know I'm supposed to die on the road, in public, with my name above me. I know I'm supposed to be at the hands of the Romans, not in some secret garden over here. I'm supposed to be on a stake in public and in the record books of Rome. Hebrews 5, 8, I think. Hebrews 5 somewhere. It says, He offered up prayers and intercession to the one who could save him, and he was heard. He cries up. He cried out prayers and intercession to be saved from death. It says in Hebrews five, and was heard from on high. Talking of Jesus, when was he heard in the garden? I don't believe Jesus was wimping out. He knew exactly what he needed to do, and he was saying, "Give me the strength to accomplish my mission. Your will be done." Okay, that's a side note. That was a freebie. Okay, go and research that for yourself. So you became one with the high priest. The Prince of Peace on the cross. You see, the King Priest on the cross, you became one with Him on the cross. Romans 6, 6, the 6th book of the New Testament, the 6th chapter, the 6th verse, says, This we know, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing and so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Here's what you need to understand. Sin is not just something you do, it's an entity that tries to control you. 17 times sin is used in Romans 6. Once it's a verb. 16 times it's a noun. Check me. It's a noun. A person, place, or thing. You're set free from the person of sin. The thing of sin will have no dominion over you. The dominion, sin will have no dominion over you. The place called sin will not be your dominion any longer. Now, guys, this we know. Our old self was crucified with him. In order that, the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Destroyed, demolished. Read it in the Amplified Classic. Great descriptive words there. All right. And further on that point, Galatians 2.20, one of my, I mean, this is the pivotal verse of my life. I don't know about you, but I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives. Hello. So what are you trying to crucify? I don't understand trying to crucify your flesh. I don't understand that. I have been crucified. It's no longer I who lives. So who's trying to die? If you're not, you ain't even here, bro. The life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's the faith. King James is the only one who translates that right, by the way. It's the faith of, not faith in. It's not you have the faith in him. It's his faithfulness in you. It's the faith of the Son of God. Check it in the Greek. Come on. I'm just trying to push you towards some stuff today, okay? This is how you, you became one with him on the cross. The word co-crucified or crucified with is crucified in union, meaning one. I get in trouble for this all over the place, so I do it often, all right? You and Jesus, <laughs> I know. You and Jesus are not like this. Look at me. You and Jesus are not like this. For the recording's sake, I'm crossing my fingers. You and Jesus are not like this. You and Jesus are like this. He's got it. You've got it. If you've got it, he's got it. In him, there is no darkness at all. And where are you? In him. So maybe your position and your portrayal need to line up. You need to understand your position so you start portraying him properly. But if we believe our position is something else, we won't portray, portray the correct image of God on the earth. Come on. Christ is the only hope of glory this world's got. You need to let him out. 
Listen to it in the Passion Translation. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. So good. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, Such were some of you, adulterers, greedy, you know, walking in homosexuality, all that stuff. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, royalty, and by the Spirit of our Lord God. Holy Ghost, oil, king, priest, royal priesthood. Are you, are you seeing this? Yeah? I said it earlier, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. The with him is just for the English. It actually says one spirit in the Greek, in the text. Anyone who belongs to the Lord is one spirit. I pray, Lord, that they would be one even as you and I are one. Union with Christ is the first step. Unity with each other is the fruit. Everybody reads John 17 as unity among the believers. you got to believe you're one with God first. And then unity will be easy. <laughs> Because all you, all you look for is the harmony of the likeness of the nature of God. We're trying to harmonize. Anyway, i got to keep going. Hebrews 10, 8 through 10 says, talking of the officiating of the new covenant, Jesus becoming the high priest of the new covenant, it says, when he said above, you neither desired or taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. He added, behold, I've come to do your will. He does away with the first order, that's the old covenant, in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once and for all. Again, we don't have to agree on all this stuff. But I read that as, I'm not progressively becoming sanctified. I'm getting a revelation of my sanctification. I'm getting a progressive revelation of my sanctification. We don't have to agree. I'm totally chill with that. But I believe that Christ in me is perfectly holy, that I've been born of imperishable seed, and I'm discovering His holiness in me, and I'm actually dead. I'm standing here because of the faith of Jesus, not because of my striving or my, my fasting or my prayer life or my Bible reading, of which there is a lot, <laughs> if you can't tell. But that doesn't get me favor with God, and that doesn't get me more holy. You're not getting holier by the minute. No, you are not. You're discovering His holiness in you. You don't even have your own holiness. Come on, the old man can't be counseled. they got to be killed. And it happened already. It already happened once and for all. Hebrews 10.10. Just submitting these things to you. That if you don't understand your position in Christ, that you're one with Him, you will always relegate the presence to an exclusive club. The super holy ones. The ones who get it. The ones who like this song. <laughs> oh, they're just not connecting with it. They just don't understand the lyrical synonyms and metaphors of the song. <laughs> you will always go there if you don't understand your position. But if you understand your position, you go, I'm just going to release the presence. And we're going to just invite everybody. We're not going to be confrontational. We're going to be invitational. Yes. Come on, there's something really good in here. Yes. Get in here. Not, oh, if you, you, yeah, you don't understand. You don't get it. I prayed and fasted for this worship service. You don't get it. <laughs> Am I hitting any buttons? I'm just saying, if you don't understand your position, if you're doing those things in your life, it's just time to repent. You're actually believing in an old covenant paradigm. Come on, Jesus went through great pains to end that thing. You know, a covenant is unto death. Jesus took on the death we were supposed to have, Right? Jesus dies to end that covenant. Yeah, he died to, for a lot of things. But one of the reasons he dies is to end that covenant. Why are we trying to bring it into this one? 
Let's honor the death of our Lord. Amen? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Let's, I mean, he became a worm and not a man. Psalms 22. Craziness. Craziness, craziness, craziness. Thanks for tuning in to the Caleb Hires podcast. For more great content like this, head to calebhires.com or check out The Resting Place at theRestingPlaceTampa.com.